Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. Today we are talking about best case scenarios. Now, I'm sure most of us have heard or even used the phrase of worst case scenario. Our brains tend to go there because of our wiring to stay safe. And so I think as a result, our default can be to think about all the worst possible ways that things can go wrong. And we even have a phrase for this. So maybe you're bouncing an idea off someone and they want to help us to think through different angles. And so they'll say, let me play the devil's advocate for a moment and then proceed to help us to think through all the possible ways that this could go south and go wrong. And I actually recently heard a motivational speaker um, by the name of Tanya Lee, and she used the phrase angel's advocate instead of devil's advocate. And when I heard her say that phrase, just something clicked in me. And I thought, what a lovely concept. What if we allow that energy and that voice of possibility, thinking through all the best case scenarios possible rather than the worst case scenarios? And I think for me, this idea of learning to, to love with my mind has been a theme for me over the past several years, quite honestly. And what does it mean to, to grow? What does it mean to be aware of my mind? What does it mean to, instead of giving mental real estate to the worst and the negative and all the what ifs and those possibilities, what if instead of the drama, I could use that energy in my mind specifically towards healing and love and good work and really see an expansion there? And I think on a personal level or even collectively, if we began adopting this idea of the angel's advocate, the best case scenarios, imagine the potential, the hope, the possibility for good things to emerge. And so not necessarily in a Pollyannish kind of way, which I think it can maybe seem that way, but as we consider this idea of best case scenarios, uh, I wonder what comes up for the two of you. I think it's just great that we're having this conversation because... I think you're bringing up a great point that devil's advocate is a way of orientation. It's almost applauded in our culture that whole, let me just play devil's advocate for a moment is, I think, a phrase I hear quite a bit. And so something that I've heard other people talk about or I've been thinking about a lot lately, these kind of spheres of influence, like what does my family of origin teach me in this case? about being a devil's advocate? Did I experience that a lot in my childhood? And what is my culture? And of course, I was just talking about that. It's everywhere in culture. What does my personality lean towards? Ironically, my personality does not lean towards devil's advocate at all. And as a result of that, I think I have lived that experience of kind of riding the tension because sometimes positivity is seen as a weakness in our society. And in fact, I even witnessed recently somebody criticize a, another person for being maybe too positive with their thinking or forward thinking and which can trigger in me. I'm like, oh my gosh, there it all is again. So I think this is a really helpful topic to bring to the table. I love what you're bringing up. I, I like thinking uh, the imagery that goes along with the devil's advocate and angel's advocate, I think is really helpful. But I, one of the things that, that, that comes to my mind I grew up playing this game. We said not in a Pollyanna sense that everything is just a wonderful, beautiful fairy tale. I grew up playing a game, Pollyanna. And this game is it's teams. And this whole Pollyanna idea is about being safe. There's these safe, these safe places. And I've been learning the game with my kids 
And I think this notion of an angel's advocate, it promotes risk-taking, right? Like this opportunity to just like, just do something uh, outlandish that I think whenever we're thinking of possibility, we're more likely to do something that is risk-oriented. But whenever we're wanting to stay safe, in the game Pollyanna, you have this safe zone. You just try to get all your guys in there and, and be safe. You're not, you, your brain doesn't go to, it, it stays small and it stays close and it doesn't promote, it doesn't promote thinking in a way that says, man, the world is your oyster. Yeah. And I appreciate you actually bringing up this idea of safety. And in our self-care series, when we interviewed Ryan Bowers, he talked about this idea of psychological safety promoting this atmosphere where people can be more creative in the workplace or even dissent on ideas because there's this safety there. And so I don't think best case scenario, again, it's not just this wistful pie in the sky type thinking, but it's actually with what I'm hearing in you and the yearnings and the longings and the things that you care about, in what ways can we think about for possible best case scenarios of how that might play out rather than going to the four worst case scenarios of how that might play out. And so I think this woman, and I don't know what she intended by that phrase, I think she was just pushing against this culture of the automatic devil's advocate. What does that literally mean? But I think as she was sharing, it was like these forces, this energy of good as opposed to the energy of bad or bringing down. And so I think for me, when I consider this idea of best case scenario, it, it just opens up in a realistic way too, but also just let's talk about all of this that could happen in a very generative manner versus a shutting down type of a manner is what comes up for me. No, I think that's really powerful. And I was in a training recently where a bunch of people from different professions were all together. And this it was very clear that people were afraid to move forward on ideas that could be good in the world because they were afraid of losing donors. And so the people that were leading this training, they asked this other they were really relaying a story of some other people who, instead of asking who would we lose by doing this, asked the opposite question. Who would we gain by doing this? And the facilitators were like, I don't want to paint this perfect rosy picture like, oh, and then their financials blew up and it was all great. There was difficulty, but there were actual people that were served in the midst of it, which Reminds me a little bit of this starfish parable, which I think is somewhat well known, but the tide comes in, all the starfish are washed up on the shore and the tide goes out. And so this man is walking down the beach and he sees this figure in the distance doing something. And as he gets closer, realizes that it's this boy who's throwing starfish back into the sea. And the guy says, there's so many, there's way too many. How would you ever get them all in? You can't possibly, you know, make a difference here. And as the guy's talking, this boy picks up one more and throws one more starfish in and says, what made a difference for that one? And so I think there is this little bit of a, what is the difference between, say, the power of positive thinking, which sometimes we are like, oh, maybe not so helpful, not just shut down, ignore the truth. But maybe who does this make a difference for? What good can be done in the world? Yeah, I appreciate you, you naming that. And again, I think that the, there's a huge tension underneath, right? Ignoring the immediate tensions that we're facing versus a future possibility. And I think one of the things that comes to my mind is I think tensions are important, right? If we don't 
if we don't encounter resistance, then there can be no growth. I think resistance is what causes us to push ourselves out of our current narrative, our current situation. There can be no growth without resistance. And how do you balance them? How do you thinking future, like what is the best case scenario? How can I live into that? But also acknowledge the the real tensions of what I'm experiencing now. And I don't think that they're separate. I think they actually probably go hand in hand, em- embracing the tensions of now and growing out of that. And I, I think that's where the practice of, of consolation and desolation is really helpful for me. What are my gratitudes? What are the things that I'm really experiencing life? And, and then maybe a- acknowledging those places where I didn't experience life in that situation. What was that pushback? What was that that dissonance that I felt? And dissonance isn't always bad. I think we don't like to hear dissonance, like it it's off-putting to the ear. But I think a really attuned ear can say that's part of the music too. And there's a famous musician that would talk about another musician who would come and I, I think it was a, a brass section. And uh, I don't want to say the person's name because I might not getting, be getting the name correctly, but he invited this guy on stage, this younger musician, and he played a note that didn't fit in that key. And the master musician played a similar note that incorporated it into the music. And I think dissonance can be incorporated into the whole piece. And it, but having the skill and the know-how seems to be pretty important to me. And so how can I be a master of dissonance and incorporating it into the story that is a best case scenario? And I know we're talking quite a bit today about future thinking, but even in in the present moments of, of whatever it is happening. And I was just with someone last week and there was something that they were unpacking and it was like, again, this automatic thinking in the negative. And it's like, what if we changed the question? Like this question that you have, what if this were the question instead, or this were the possibility in that moment? What does that do to your body or your level of peace or anxiety? And I think sometimes just bringing, because we don't know what's going to happen. And so sometimes I think too, you can choose what you're giving mental real estate to, and we can give mental real estate to that that negative, that bad case, that worst case, or we can give mental real estate in a different spot. And I think, again, just that shifting of the question can sometimes just change the whole outlook and even unlock something that we weren't seeing before as well, right? Because I think the heart maybe behind the devil's advocate is, let's see a a full picture of things, right? And again, our brain's tendency, it wants to keep us safe. And so that's a good thing, right? But then there's safe that then just leads to a paralyzing, I don't want to do anything because I'm too scared because I see all the awful possibilities out there. Yes. And if we did that, I would never drive my car because the statistics and all the things are getting on an airplane. Like you can focus on that and then it could become paralyzing or recognizing that is a reality. But for this moment, we're going to focus on this best case scenario. And as we think about this again, I think it unlocks, it, it releases. It's There's freedom that's there that I'm maybe wanting to tap into. I think that's a really lovely point. And even in terms of like present moments, I was sick recently. And um, actually, a lot of people have been sick recently. And I've noticed if there's been a prolonged period of illness, it tends to ramp up anxiety, this fear of like, how long will this last? Will I ever get better? How long am I in this state? It tends to go up, which is really interesting to just observe 
in society overall. Like, how do we find a state of calm? But I happened to have in the midst of that particular illness, a meeting I was facilitating like prayer and meditation. And so I had this opportunity to really get still. And I don't often, honestly, I don't think I pray well when I'm ill. I like breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. This is, life becomes very simplistic for me. <laughs> so I don't think I'm a great candidate for people who have super spiritual experiences when they're sick, just to say. But I really had this profound moment of appreciating my body. Like it could have been ill at any time and it was ill during a break. So on one hand, oh man, you don't get your break. But on the other hand, I had time to rest and my body had been very kind to really lean into that sickness at a moment when I had the time to rest and my body was healing. And isn't that phenomenal? And so I think without that opportunity to be still, it wouldn't really come to mind because I would really more be in that woe is me mindset. It really required that intentional pause, which just happened to exist. I didn't put it there. I wasn't a great spiritual person in that moment. It just happened. Yeah. Maybe changing the topic just a little bit or the conversation a little bit, going back to the visual of angels and devils, like this notion of power. What do you give power in your life? And this is a spiritual podcast, and we think that there are spiritual forces in the world. And what do you want to give power? Do you want to imagine that there is good in the world that is working on your behalf? Or do you want to imagine the evil or whatever you name it is out there and is very powerful? And so I, I think that is one of the things that is striking to me is what do I actually want to give power and what do I want to imagine? Do I want to imagine a world where good is working on my behalf or do I want to imagine the alternative? And I think I just want to imagine that there is good that is in my life and working on my behalf. I appreciate you naming that because I think it's, it's an acknowledgement that, again, to your point, Christina, we're not shutting down. We're, we're not talking about toxic positivity where everything's great and hunky-dory. We're recognizing that there's challenges. And in this challenge, we're taking a moment to say, let me quiet myself down for a moment. How is this working on my behalf for good, right? Working things out for good. What are the forces in my life that I can give power to and attention to and can feed to grow? Or what, and, and again, it's real, right? Life is 50-50. There's plenty of things going wrong in our lives, right? Whether it be circumstantial or whatever. And I can certainly feed that and that can grow. It can, it can take up as much space as in my brain as I want it to take. And so I, I really appreciate what you're naming there, Chris. Thank you so much for a generative and interesting conversation around best case scenarios. And now is the part of our podcast where we take a moment to talk about what we are into. So what are we into today? I can do a follow up on one of my previous what are we into's because I had said we're thinking about if we would get a Pizzell maker or not. And at the end of 2023, it can be noted that the Kaisers brought in a Pizzell maker and are now experimenting. So it's so cute. It's like a tiny little waffle maker. It takes a tablespoon and a half of batter per Pizzell, but it's quite delightful to have with coffee. So I am enjoying that experience. That sounds really fun. I want to explore that with you. 
I am into snow. And today we finally have a good snow day. Actually, our children are off school. They're outside playing in the snow. And I love snow. I'm looking forward to getting my gear on later and walking in the snow. In recent years, we have bought some really good sleds to go sledding as a family. And even, gosh, a couple of years ago, Chris and I, the kids were at school and we had a day date plan. And so the two of us just went out on the, we're like, we don't need the kids. We can go by ourselves. So I just, I love snow and I'm into it and happy for it. Yes. I love snow as well. And this year, actually, I bought a new snow shovel. So I have this amazing 36 inch blade that just, it just scoops up the snow and it just makes my life a lot easier. I like to be out in, in the snow and shoveling snow, but sometimes I'm a little bit pressed for time. I also help a few neighbors out. And so this new snow shovel just is like working through large swaths of the driveway. And so I love my new snow shovel as I'm working out in the snow. And Christina didn't mention this. We live in Wisconsin in the north, for those that don't know. And we are getting a nine-inch hammering, supposedly, today. We've only seen about three inches so far. But my new snow shovel will help me take care of those nine inches better than my previous snow shovel. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, make it a great week. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week. Music